0: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
1: Ooh, buddy. Ooh, buddy. Where were you on the day the Pac-12 died? <laughs> it's, it, it's a seismic. A seismic day in college football. I'm still rap. It is happening as we are coming on the air. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio and the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80. He is Michael Rothstein. I'm Randy Scott. Uh, Mike, you're down in, I'm going to say Atlanta Jason. okay? You running the Southeast
2: Bureau of ESPN Radio today? Sure, I I, I would say that. I feel like uh, if Harry Douglas has probably his category, but I will gladly take insight for some of that.
1: That's fine for today. You know, he
2: hands the baton. A lot
1: of people get you guys mixed up,
2: you know? Harry and I mean, we, yeah, we, yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, wh- one of us played in the NFL. One of us uh, <laughs> can't run five meters these days.
1: That's just because you have like a little broken bone in your leg, dude. Hey, I am
2: better now, <laughs> man. On. I am better. I have been cleared by my physical therapist. Uh-huh. I, have, I can run up. I've run like seven miles an hour on the treadmill. This is a big deal for it's me. It's a big deal. Not have well, like, only put stretches. on 17 pounds in the last.
1: Well, now you're going to your sh- strain your shoulder from patting yourself on the back. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. College football realignment today. I'll tell you what, we're the only show in the country that's going to talk college football playoff in <laughs> August, okay? Because we will do that across these next few hours. We had football yesterday, the NFL variety. We'll dive into that. But college football has our focus right now because the Pac-12 has our heart I mean, if you have a Pac-12 fan in your life, give them a big old hug and just Robin Williams them, okay, in goodwill hunting. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Uh, There could be down, by the end of the day, down to four teams remaining in the Pac-12. The news of the day. We woke up seeing Arizona. Well, some of us did. Mike, you said you didn't. We woke up seeing that Arizona was headed to the Big 12. And that normally means where Arizona goes, Arizona State goes. Okay, they're kind of a kind of a package deal there, the Commonwealth Cup. Uh, so they're going to head to the the Big Twelve. But the seismic one moments ago is Oregon and Washington expected to formally apply for membership to the Big Ten. That coming today, sources saying, and a Big Ten vote, which is expected this evening, should be unanimous. And we're hearing from Adam Rittenberg on Twitter. That there is some initial pushback from schools. Pete Thamel's had this as well. Pete Thamel's been all over it for us here at ESPN. Some uh, pushback from schools within the conference that it's going too fast. But the move would continue to just chip away at the carcass that is the Pac-12 right now and put that conference's future in very much peril and would push the Big Ten to 18 schools. I mean, at what point do you stop calling yourself the Big Ten? They've been the Big 14 for years, and now we're talking about the Big 18 because, remember, USC and UCLA have already committed to head west.
2: Well, first of all, they just should call themselves America and, and get done with it. I, that America. That, that's what they are at this point, Randy Scott, because they are not just the Big Ten. They haven't been the Big Ten or the B1G, B1G as maybe. they are really known. Uh, I just hope that all of this means that we get the Legends and Leaders divisions back, which is what happened the first time the Big Ten decided to expand, if you remember that. Why, the horribly named The horribly le- named – because it was – yeah. Oh, that was such a uh, – yeah, yeah, I, I I was covering the Big Ten at that point. I was covering Michigan, and that was just a running joke of the legends and the leaders, which were at that point in time, by the way, neither neither leaders nor legendary. So they were in real trouble. Easy, at okay, that point easy in the Big Ten. We're they talking were.
1: about one of the one of the remaining super conferences in college football that's right fine. now. That's fine, and that's well and
2: good. I listen. They 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 ended the Pac twelve. Between taking UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, I, you ended a conference. Like, that is some real, real messed up stuff right there. However, that said, I blame Oregon and Washington, not because they're going after the money, but they've only been in the Pac 12. Since 1915, Randy, it's not like they have any sort of history here. It's not like they care at all about their non-rev athletes, because that's the thing you're talking about. This is a move for football and a little bit less so for men's basketball and women's basketball. But you have sports like soccer, you have sports like volleyball, and you might say, well, who cares? But you wonder who cares? The athletes who now are not going pro are going to go pro in something other than sports to very much rip off the NCAA's line there and sit there and say, cool, so how am I going to go to class in season when I have to maybe take a trip to Ann Arbor on a, a Monday and then I'm playing in East Lansing on a Thursday and, oh, yeah, then I've got to go to Rutgers on a Saturday and, cool, I miss this sem- a week of my semester. That does not work.
1: They're student-athletes, of course, student first. Yeah, no, I say that no, with a not. with a touch with <laughs> the, with the slightest bit of of sarcasm. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to. Why wow, there we go, Harry Black? I'm trying to think here, Mike, uh, about how to how to properly present the timeline because it is happening so very quickly. You want to go back to? Do you want to go back to to you know Oklahoma? In Texas, leaving for the SEC, you could do that, and then you could do USC and UCLA heading for the Big Ten. That was sort of the first Big Ten relevant domino here, and not the first going back because you're right, Nebraska leaving the Big 12, Maryland leaving the ACC. I'm I'm leaving those not-so-ancient milestones in the past. I'm just talking about this most recent – I mean, some of this happening – you know within the last 24 hours but but yeah. remember USC UCLA they're out of the Pac-12 they are headed to the Big 10 and now it's Arizona heading to the Big 12 and Pete Thamel's reporting they've applied to Arizona has and been admitted to the Big 12 that's according to what sources have told ESPN's Pete Thamel along with that move conversations between the Big 12 and Utah and Arizona State have ramped up on Friday as well. Utah is a football crown jewel if USC and UCLA are gone. Oregon has been on the decline in recent years by their own standards. They, they they set a high bar, but Utah has been a representative late in seasons. They have played impactful, meaningful November football with the eyes on the college football playoff. So if Utah leaves the Pac-12, now we're talking quality over literal quantity, but the quantity decreases with the news now that leaving – potentially here, likely here, most likely will be gone for the Big Ten are Oregon and Washington. Those two are expected to formally apply for membership today, and a vote could take place tonight. So now, you add to that the departure of Colorado last week, which feels ancient in the current time frame that we're talking about, and you're down to four teams, California, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State.
2: What do you do
1: if you're one of those schools?
2: I, uh, seriously, I, I don't know the answer to that question. You, if you're in the Pac-12, you have two decisions at this point. Try to figure out a, a good media rights deal with the four schools you have left, uh-huh. and then go raid the Mountain West. And go raid the what's left of the WAC. And and, and you, you try. You try, and you hope that Cal becomes relevant again. You hope Stanford becomes relevant again. Good luck with either one of that. And I'm sorry, Oregon State Washington State, they're never going to move the needle nationally to where you needed to get there. And that was part of the problem for the Pac-12. Besides their <laughs> not-great media rights deal, it was because this is all being driven by TV money, Randy Scott. Uh-huh. Like, besides the media rights deal, who's going? Do you know how hard it is to get to Corvallis and Pullman? Yeah, but I it's a beautiful yeah, it's, country out it there. Is, it's gorgeous out there, but what does that do? Like, it's, it does nothing for you. They're isolated areas, and then i am sorry. The San Francisco area—it's a pro sports area between the Warriors and the Niners. They don't care as much about Cal and Stanford there, except but, when they're really good. Uh, it's a, Cal and Stanford care about themselves.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know it, it has a little bit of an echo of targeting Rutgers for the Big Ten because you want the New York media market. Well,
2: I laughed then. I'm laughing now. Yeah,
1: the New York media market doesn't necessarily. <laughs> follow Rutgers all that closely, so you can't say the Bay Area market. Bay Area. Ooh. Uh, you can't say that they necessarily follow Stanford or Cal as well. We're going to come back to something that, that, that you just said there, Mike, but let's get to Adam Rittenberg, one of our ESPN college football writers. Great voice, great insight into this, and he provides or attempts to discuss at the very least the topic here, how the Pac-12 avoids collapse.
0: There's going to be more meetings. There's going to be more discussion. Uh, there's negotiations going on, you know, some, maybe in between some schools and multiple leagues, in the case of a school like Oregon, um, and then we'll see where this thing shakes out and how long it takes to reach some type of resolution. Uh, certainly the Pac-12 would love to have a resolution, would love to know who's on board, who is signed, uh, who is going forward, and, uh, and then other schools are, uh, uh, you know, other leagues rather are, are certainly watching what happens in that league, but in the Big Ten's case also being quite proactive.
1: Okay, the Big Ten is being proactive, yes. But Adam goes on to say here, because remember, full hand in the air, Adam is a Big Ten product. Okay, Adam went to Northwestern. We were there at the same time. He, his Big Ten connections are telling him that there are folks within that conference that even they think that this might be moving a little too quickly.
0: There's a lot of balls in the air, but you know certainly the Big Ten is looked at as a, a safer landing spot for Oregon and Washington. I would share this, though. There are some of those, some of those in the in the you know higher corners of the Big Ten um, schools that certainly uh, you know pop out a little bit that are concerned. I've been told about the idea of adding Oregon and Washington so fast. I've heard words like like rushed and reluctant. Um, you know, when, when speaking to some sources around the league today.
1: Okay, that may be well and good, and Adam goes on here and it's not even tongue in cheek. And we we can go ahead and name the company that we're talking about, but he this is Adam Sweet. The line from today I can't stop thinking about, isn't surprising, resonates though, and confirms how we got here. From a high level source at a Big Ten school about the league's lead media partner and its role in the latest expansion. Quote, they are running the conference, close quote. Who's the lead media partner? Fox. And listen, you are derelict in your duties. If you as a conference are looking at the landscape and you see Oregon open for business with regard to being a literal and figurative land grab right now, Oregon says, hand in the air, where are we going? UW dub says, we're going where Oregon's going. And if that's out there and you're a major conference, and I understand – I mean, listen, Mike – the, the the ties between the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they go way back. Maybe not back 100 years, but at, for as long as there's been a Rose Bowl, there has been a Big Ten and a Pac-12 alliance here. The Big Ten does not want to be what kills the Pac-12. But you are irresponsible in your duties if you don't see those assets out there and make a move.
2: No, you, you're you absolutely right. That at some point, like – Respect for. Remember, by the way, remember the Halicon days, Randy, when they had an alliance that lasted three seconds. <laughs> remember no, that, that no, conversation after the SEC, after the SEC was like, we're at like the yeah, there was some sort of alliance oh between gosh, the conference yeah. between some conferences. Lincoln and, and you
1: missed it. Yeah, uh,
2: and I joked that it was going to be like the failed alliance of American football, which was a you know a, set, a pro league that failed in three months. Well, guess what? The alliance failed in three months too. Uh, mm-hmm. You uh, this. This is very simply Randy Scott, I, and I wish I had proof of this, but I didn't do national radio or even local radio back then. But I, I remember when the initial expansion of the Big Ten happened, and the Big 12, All the Big Twelve movement happened. You you sat there and you said, at some point, it's going to get to to two, two, three, or four big conferences, and that's what it's going to be, and it's going to be like divisions of college kind of football. It's going to be like the NFL, and, and we're seeing that now. It's just two massive conferences. You want to know what it's almost like? It's like two two premierships looking at European soccer, European football.
3: It's like two premierships almost.
2: You have the Southeastern premiership or Southeastern into like the Plains states now that they've added Oklahoma and Texas. And you've got the rest of the country premiership. And you want to know who doesn't matter? Everyone else, Randy. Yeah, Everyone else, which is unfortunate for the ACC because now if I'm the ACC, I'm trying to figure out how I get in this mm. because I got to get bigger too.
1: All right, that is Michael Rothstein. I'm Randy Scott. We're in for the guys on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You can go ahead and join this conversation. It is, it is a seismic day in college football. The phone number, 888-729-3776, 888-SAY-ESPN. Pac 12, as we know it, is dying. It is circling the drain.
3: From coast to coast, athletic directors, commissioners, and decision makers in college athletics are paying attention to this and watching and waiting. And everybody's talking about what they're going to do if indeed that were to unfold and the Pac 12 were to dissolve. We got
0: to get rid of all the warm and fuzzies out there. This is about survival. This is about dollars that are going to fund your university.
1: It's money. It is absolutely money. Money is ruling all of this. Money is easy to follow at times, tougher to find uh, at other times. He's Mike Rothstein. I'm Randy Scott. We're in for the guys, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Uh, And it's a tremendous point, Mike, that you made right before uh, we heard from the likes of Paul Feinbaum and Heather Dinich there. And we have more from Feinbaum in just a moment. But the idea that we're down to super conferences and then what does that leave for the also-rans? Who deserves to be in the super conferences? Uh, Northwestern won a football game last year. They have a share in the Big Ten right now. I don't know. I say that as a, as a Northwestern fan. They have more lawsuits pending against their football program than they have wins over the last two seasons combined. It's a it's a fact. And then no, I know. And then Oregon and then <laughs> and then Oregon and Washington are coming to the conference, and they're not even getting a full share. Potentially, we're talking about half shares. I, I, if I'm Oregon, I don't see how that computes. If I'm Michigan and Ohio State, maybe I'm thinking I get twice the share. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit of financial infighting with some of these conferences but the question for now Michael how many conferences do you see lining up you were saying premiership potentially and and maybe not following a european football model but at the very least you know with that many schools and these large conferences you think it's two do you think it's 3 because it's looking like you know, Big Twelve adding the Arizona schools potentially Utah and uh, and uh, Arizona State. You know, following uh, Arizona's departure and acceptance into the Big Twelve, but it looks like Big Twelve, Big Ten, and SEC.
2: Maybe I mean you, you, the ACC still exists and still matters in the area of the country I live in and North. I, it's a tough question because it's probably four right now. I I, I don't think we'll we'll see. Anything below four at at any point in the next few years, and maybe that's wishful thinking. But to me, the ACC, Big Twelve, SEC, and Big the Big Unit, uh, the Randy Johnson Conference, is, is what I'm now going to call the Big Ten because they can't be the Big Ten anymore. <laughs> they they just can't now. You're you're the big you're the Big Ten times two. You're the double double of of conferences here. I, I I don't. It's probably four, Randy. Yeah, But that said, uh, if I am the ACC, I am very concerned because when you look at the ACC, there are schools in the ACC and there is a segment of the fan base of the ACC that believes that they are a basketball co- conference because of Duke, because of North Carolina, because of even schools like Virginia and Wake Forest and Syracuse and Boston College, even a little bit more of a basketball school or has that tradition and lineage that to me I would be concerned if I'm the ACC and I see the quote-unquote football powers that yeah. be in your school, like the Clemson, that are not particularly good at basketball, although Miami's been good lately. Like the Miamis, the the Clemsons, the Florida States. I would be concerned that they're trying to look to get to a football-first conference at this point, even though the, the ACC, I think, wants to be that. Yeah. And that's where you could be in real trouble if you're the ACC because I would imagine a school like Syracuse would not be, you know, they have their roots in the old Big East, as as is BC, as do some of these other schools. It's going to be really interesting how the ACC situation, like that's the one to me, and I'm just, you know, somebody spouting off on radio a little bit. No, no. That's the one to me that I'd be watching because the Big 12 solidified themselves and we know the SEC and Big 10 clearly are not going anywhere.
1: You said something earlier, and if you're a Succession fan, if anybody watched Succession, uh, in the final season, I'm not going to give too much away, but in the final season, the debate came down to, does Waystar absorb Royco, or does Royco absorb Waystar? And I wonder about the Pac-12 and, let's say, the Mountain West. Right, San Diego State's there, Boise State's there, Air Force is there, Fresno State. You've got some football talent out there. Some schools who have made noise and beaten on a consistent basis teams from the Power Five. Does the Mountain West absorb the four remaining Pac-12 schools, or do those four schools try to try to muscle up and absorb another conference? I just think if you're four schools, you're not a conference. You're a you know you're you're you're, you're hardly you're a, a you're, you're hardly a table at Chili's. You know what I mean? You're four <laughs> schools. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's it's a fascinating day. It's kind of a sad day. Uh, I think we have time. I want to hear real quick. From this, Paul Feinbaum talking about is it? it where are these super conferences headed? Again, this is Paul Feinbaum uh, on GetUp.
2: It will take a few years. Two super conferences right now are the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, They look like the NFL uh, right now. They have all these multiplicity of leagues, especially the Big Ten with three or four different partners. And the Big 12 right now has emerged as number three. The ACC is is the league, Alan, that that has some serious soul-searching to do right now. But ultimately, we we are going to get to this. It it will happen quickly because, as Pete has reported a thousand times, nothing happens quickly in college football.
1: I think we need an alliance of some of these smaller conferences in order for them to compete. And I just don't know if geographic. well, you know what? None of this geographically makes sense. I so mean,
2: never they, mind. Yeah, remember the old Conference USA and that the, they like literally were all across the country? That's yeah. what we're going to see. To me, by the way, the conference that you feel the best right now, other than the, the three big ones, is like the MAC. Because no one's going after Toledo and Northern Illinois and, and the directional Michigans. like They should feel good. They have a, they, their nice little niche. But that's, good... gonna be, but that's going to be what happens, I think, <laughs> around the country uh-huh. otherwise.
1: I wonder about the independents, too. There's so much at stake. There's so much money out there. And there's so much movement right now. That's Michael Rothstein. I'm Randy Scott. We're in for the guys. We're going to hear from an expert on what's going on in college
0: football. This is the Canty Carlin Podcast.
3: Part of the Big Ten's hesitancy
0: in Oregon and Washington last time around, they also looked at Cal and Stanford, was they didn't want to be the ones to
2: kill the Pac-12. Keep your eye on, on the ACC, because there are some unhappy campers there, namely Clemson and Florida State. Big Ten presidents, who have a big stroke in this, some of them stated earlier that they wanted to maybe look a little more east to Virginia and North Carolina, mm. which are the prize new markets in realignment. <laughs>
1: Seismic in college football. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80. Mike Rothstein, Randy Scott in for the guys. Mike wanted the, uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars for some of this. Talking about how You're big of a here. day.
2: How big I thought day. we had it
1: for a second. I thought yeah. we had it for a second. How big of a day it's been. Uh, RYOBI is awesome. Let me tell you why. This Saturday you make cleanup easy with RYOBI 18-volt 1-plus cordless leaf blower From the Home Depot, let's welcome in Heather Dinich, our ESPN college football reporter. And uh, Heather, today feels like a where were you when type of day in college football, because it really does feel like the end of a chapter. It feels like the end of a century of football in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, I'm curious with the conversations you've had today, the reaction to the dizzying speed with which this is all developing as Oregon and Washington seemingly uh, look like they're on their way out. And all this is coming after Colorado and and Arizona uh, bolted for the Big 12.
3: It's truly mind-blowing. Busying is a great word for it. Uh, There's a lot of reaction throughout college athletics about what's going to happen next in terms of the fallout, assuming this all happens the way it's been reported that Oregon and Washington will ultimately go to the big 10. And then what happens to everybody else with Utah, Arizona state and Arizona likely heading towards the big 12. if, If that's the case, I mean, This morning, there was a sense of optimism heading into the Pac-12 president's meeting where Commissioner George Klyovkov presented the grant of rights. But at the end of the day, when I woke up this morning, I said on SportsCenter that the Big 12 was ready to welcome Arizona, and it wasn't official yet until Arizona said so, and so much hinged on Oregon and Washington. And it's all these moving pieces of the puzzle, and if in a couple of hours, Oregon and Washington make it official that they're going to the Big Ten and everybody else follows out the door to the Big 12. I mean, what blows my mind, guys, is that we will be sitting here wondering what happens to a prestigious academic institution like Stanford. How do you get to the place in college athletics where you're asking about the stability of an institution as prestigious as Stanford. Sure. And and that's where sure. we'll be. What, what happens to them? I mean, that's just – that's remarkable to me. And there are so many other fallout questions that will continue to bubble up if this happens.
2: I'm, I'm guessing one of those questions, Heather, would be this is – is the ACC have reason at this point to be concerned because it would seem like the SEC, the big 12 and the big big nugget that is the big 10 at this point uh, mm-hmm. seem to be pretty stable. Like where, is the ACC have a reason to maybe worry a little bit next?
3: I think the ACC, I think everybody has reasons <laughs> to worry right now because there's, there's just so much uncertainty and mistrust. The mistrust is so pervasive. And given the Florida State president's recent comments, which weren't necessarily new, but were certainly strong and assertive and bold and threatening and saying, hey, if you guys don't find a way to give us more money, we're going to leave um, – Yes, that all create that's that's uncomfortable for everyone. But there's also a reality to the ACG that should give them some comfort, and that's their grant of rights and their exit fee. I mean, that is a very real legal web that any school that wants to leave has to untangle itself for, and that doesn't happen overnight. We're talking about 120 million dollars to leave the conference and going to court because of the grant of rights, which goes through 2036, and. As threatening and bold as those statements were from Florida State's president, he doesn't have anywhere to go. He doesn't have an invitation from the Big Ten or the SEC. So there's also, I think, if and when this all happens and plays out within the next couple of hours, I also don't see any panic from a league like the SEC. I really don't. I don't see some knee-jerk reactions happening in other places. And quite honestly, I don't think there's anybody out there who's more comfortable and sitting pretty than Notre Dame.
1: Oh, my gosh, you're right. But the, but the TV deal makes it possible. I mean, you, you look at the list of independents and, you know, Army's in there and, and, and UConn's in there, and I can hardly say that with a straight face. But you do have <laughs> other independents. Uh, you, you know, you got UMass. Hey, UMass is in there. As we're talking with Heather Dinich, our ESPN college football reporter. And, Heather, I know we're up against it. I'm curious, what does this do for the college football playoff? You're as plugged in as anybody with that committee. If it's three mm-hmm. super conferences for the time being, Big 12, Big 10, and – uh I guess, I mean, Big 12, Big 10, I guess the SEC. Um, are we talking three each and then everybody else fights for the other three spots? Does it devalue the conference champion? Do you go, do you divide mm-hmm. these super conferences into divisions and then each side gets a rep in the playoff? How do you see it shaken out?
3: I'm getting high as you're asking these questions. I know it's so um, early, Heather. It's so unfair. <laughs> and we like you so much. I know. I like you too. You no, know, the reality is what would probably have to happen is the commissioners would have to go back to the drawing board and say, do we still want to reward the six highest-ranked conference champions? Does the Pac-12 have a conference? Does it have a conference champion? How many teams, how many schools do you need in a conference to be a Power Five? I mean, the list just goes on of, you know, legs of this thing, like like an octopus. It just, so that's my... Answer is they'll pro those commissioners will probably have to go back and figure out, is it going to be the six highest ranked conference champions and the next six highest? Because, I mean, golly, then you're 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 limiting your conference champions if there's only four leagues, right, plus a group of five or whatever you want to call it.
1: This is wild, Heather. And then we're talking, I mean, there's time here to get into the dollars and cents, not right now, but there is time to get into the shares, because it sounds Mm -hmm. like Oregon and UW are looking at partial shares in the Big Ten, and that's a conference where Northwestern has won off-football game in the last two seasons. Like, it's going to be wild. Heather, we really appreciate the time and the insight. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It is dizzying. It's dizzying. It, it is. Michael I feel Roth bad. Theme. We
2: gave we gave Heather Dinich Hives today. No, like, we didn't. We didn't.
1: <laughs> no, we may have like made him flare up, but we didn't give them to her. No, that's not us. I feel not really us.
2: bad about that. No, I, <laughs> I, she, her, the one thing that she said that was really interesting, I thought, was that she feels Notre Dame is in a good good place. No, oh, yeah, that, like that. They are from a TV from a yeah. TV rights perspective, but. From a yeah. they might have to go and find opponents perspective that's really interesting that's because fine. the big the Big Ten and the uh, having covered Notre Dame a long time ago back before all of this went down and having covered the Big Ten Notre Dame has always kind of been that prize for the Big Ten right the Big Ten now theoretically could put a little bit of a pressure point on Notre Dame if it wants to play anyone in their region because there's no one else in their region that's worth much that's not part of of the Big Ten, except for like a Cincinnati. That's it. So, if if they want to put a little pressure on Notre Dame, I think the Big Ten can. I just don't know how successful it would be.
1: For the longest time, it made sense geographically for Notre Dame to join the Big Ten. And then suddenly, geography means nothing in college football. He's, Michael, circle, baby. he's Michael Rothstein. <laughs> I'm Randy Scott. In for the guys here on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. We're going to continue our NFL two-a-days as we dive in to the Miami Dolphins. It's on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80.
0: This is the Canty and Carlin
3: Podcast.
1: I love that we're talking NFL football. I love that we had NFL football on our televisions last night. and I love that you're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80 on this pre-kend. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. He is Michael Rothstein down in the ATL. Uh, I'm Randy Scott. One of us was at an NFL training camp today, and it's not me. Michael Rothstein. He was with the Falcons. Let's go further south than Atlanta as we continue our NFL two days here with the Miami Dolphins. And it seems like obviously, listen, you, 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 we can quantify the logical obvious, Michael. If you take your best quarterback off the field, your offense gets worse. The difference, though, between Tua Tonga and anyone named not Tua Tonga <laughs> last season, the QBR fell by thirty points. We're from sixty-eight to thirty-eight. And it lowered the ceiling of an offense that showed such promise when he was out there on the field. What do you see for the Dolphins this season?
2: It's going to depend on Tua's health, Ready? Mm-hmm. It all starts and in a lot of ways ends there. If Tua is healthy, then the Dolphins have a chance to win the AFC East and maybe do damage in the playoffs. If Tua is not healthy, uh, well... They're in a division with the Bills and the Jets, and that's concerning to me because both the Bills and the Jets should be quite good. The Bills, offensively, we know what they can do. The Jets have one of the best defenses in the NFL, at least on paper. And they have, oh, they have A.A. Ron. And A.A. Ron seems rejuvenated, and that should be scary to a lot of people, Randy. Uh But when they're healthy, the speed. Like, you remember back in the day, Al Davis loved speed on the Raiders and would sign sign dudes that can't catch but had a lot of speed? Darius Howard Bay. Yeah, Darius hayward what James Jett uh, going way back. I saw
1: James Jett have a catch against the then-Washington okay. squad. It was amazing. So he had one catch.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but with guys like Jalen Waddell, guys like Tyreek Hill, guys like Raheem Mostert out of the backfield, they have fast dudes who also can catch and can be dynamic, and that's scary for a lot of opposing defenses.
1: What is your level of concern, though? Like, Listen, you brought Jalen Ramsey in to form the best one-two punch at the quarterback position in football. and Howard on one side, Jalen Ramsey on the other. Now, Ramsey's done probably at least till December, you know, modifying the Wyclef song, gone till December. So what is your level of concern on the defensive side? Because we know they can put up points if Tua stays healthy. We also know that this defense was a little too generous at times last season.
2: Yeah, that's a big question. We'll see how well they do or do not get after the quarterback. But they drafted Cam Smith in the second round. And he should slide into that starting corner role now, opposite Xavier and Howard. The benefit for the Dolphins, Brandy, is very simple. They have Xavier and Howard, so they still have a number one cornerback. A lot of teams lose their top cornerback and they're in real trouble afterward. For instance, the team I cover today, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons, saw Jeff Okuda, the former number three pick in the 2020 draft, get carted off. Well, what's happening behind Jeff Okuda, who's their number two cornerback, is. A lot of players who are depth players who are going to end up in that role. I don't. That's not the issue in Miami because Cam Smith is a guy who drafted to be an eventual starter. He's just going to maybe have to start a little sooner than you hope. This defense should still be all right, but it's going to get real interesting. And that depth, that corner is a place where maybe they took a hit.
1: Yeah, yeah, they take a hit. I know they like, and I'm going to botch the name. Is it Kader Kohu? Their nickelback. He has flashed. He has. Yep been stride for stride with some difficult receivers so far at training camp. But yeah, it's just training tra- training camp. I get it. Um, they've tried to address the defensive side, the offensive side. The problem, though, uh, you don't want equ- to equate human beings to machines here, but if you, if you have a car that's capable of going 160 miles an hour, yeah, it can do it, but can it do it over the course of 17 games, as I'm mixing my analogies. like <laughs> like Tyreek Hill it, it has, has proven to be a, like, a impressively durable in his NFL career. Raheem Mostert, not so much. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Not so much. And, and that's why they've kicked the tires on Dalvin Cook. That's why an offer has been made to Dalvin Cook. Um, there is not a team in the AFC East that, you know, doesn't want Dalvin Cook's services. Uh, he's lined up to potentially visit the Patriots. We already know he's visited the Jets. There's already a member of his family on the Bills, or perhaps he'd be going to Buffalo. There is a need on the ground There is more a need to keep your quarterback upright. Here's Mike McDaniel talking about what Tua has in his arsenal this season.
2: I don't know this to be fact, but it appears by my layman's eye. He has more uh, pitches
1: in in his arsenal. You know, he can layer stuff and drive it just with even more command than, you know, he's already pretty adept at considering his, his accuracy. So I think it just overall helps him feel prepared and execute a lot of things residuals are apparent and and various residuals apparent various he's added more muscle he's practiced judo tried to learn how to fall we'll see if that translates into staying on the field for Tua Tungavailoa uh, he's Michael Rothstein. I'm Randy Scott. It's two days, so we got another conversation with another football team coming up later in the show. That's the Seattle Seahawks. For now, though, we'll dive into the football we saw at the Hall of Fame game and the football from a quarterback we didn't see in Aaron Rodgers. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80.
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.